Welcome to the Be Real podcast. I am your host, Diana Gasparoni. I am a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her programs. Along with my amazing co-hosts, Anisha Salisbury and Divya Robin, each week we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists from various disciplines and schools of thought, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought-provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We will give you tips and insights to taking the next steps, or if you have already gotten in the door, to go deeper. Each week, we are going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions, reminding you that you are not alone. Mental health is my passion. I practice what I preach. I know that the struggle is real. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content, leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together and look underneath the surface and get real. Be real. It's back today with your amazing co-host, Agnesha, and our host, Diana, <laughs> we are back this week, and I got to tell you guys, um, we have some heavy content to talk about today. So before we get into that, uh, we're going to keep it light. And so since we're going to keep it light, we're talking about summer because summer is approaching. And so I'm like, okay, what am I looking forward to? What are you looking forward to, Diana? Um, we could talk about like pre-COVID summer, last summer, what you were looking forward to, and then now during COVID how does summer look different for you? Um, so I will tell you that I have been looking at sandals. Um, I have been <laughs> on websites now. I think I'm ready to buy a couple of things. I've been very proud of myself during this pandemic. I haven't bought much because I didn't need much, but I'm ready to buy some sandals. Um, I love a good dress, a maxi dress. I'm a maxi dress girl for the summer. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to wearing all those things with my mask. <laughs> well, um, I mean, summer does look different, doesn't it? Uh, I don't even, I, did I, where did I go last year for summer? Did we go, did we go to Tulum at the end of the summer last year? Was it the summer? I don't think it was the summer. I think it was after summer. Then we, we went. went, I don't remember. I thought we were, no, we were in Tulum the first week of September last year. Yes, we were. Okay. September still Ooh. summer. Yes, there it is. Um, and so we're not going there this summer. I don't know what we're going to do, but I, um, I know that I'm going to be wearing a sundress in the house while we're working. I'm wearing a sundress today because it's, you know, humid, a little warm outside. Um, and personally, I am looking forward to not putting on any shoes unless I have to go outside. I did it. I got some skirts coming. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of COVID at home. <laughs> at home working i bought a kimono and it didn't come but it's coming i just got word that it's coming so i'm gonna be wearing my kimono i might uh put on a bathing suit in my house <laughs> pretend i'm at the beach uh yeah i mean i'm i'm trying to figure out what going away looks like uh leaving new york i was like are there travel restrictions? Do I have to quarantine for 14 days when I get there? I'm not a sure. Lot places, a lot of places say that we do. Um, I know Hawaii does. 
um, say that you do have to uh, quarantine. So were you thinking about Hawaii? Um, yes, I did think about Hawaii. Last summer, I did go to Cuba. I, I think I went a couple places, but I do remember Cuba. It's one of the places I went to last summer. This summer is more along the lines of the Jersey Shore, right? Because you might have to drive to where I know. Like summer in a way that last summer, you know, you can be on planes, trains, automobiles. So, um, but gas is cheap. So that's always good. That's good. That's good. Um, I've been looking for houses in the Jersey Shore. I haven't been able to find one. I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to find little sparks of, 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 of summer. You know, I want to yeah. have like, definitely going to take some time off. Um, and I definitely want some sparks of summer. And I know that I need some linen masks. And I know my sister is listening right now. So I just want to say, Nikki, I'm going to get my linen masks on Etsy. Etsy, small business. I'm going to support a small business for my linen masks. That's right, Diana. That's <laughs> very important. It's very important. Because I did, business. I know, I know that I spend a lot of time on the anthropology app. But I do shop small business as well. I, I, I'm a shopper. <laughs> you are a special type of client because you no longer use the website. You have that. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Etsy app too. I like the app. Like I do. I like the app. It gives me notifications. Like when I'm reading on the Etsy app, it tells me like this one this seller got something new this seller somebody else put what you have and what you want in their cart so you better like come on figure it out <laughs> make that commitment now or never are you committing to this thing well i just want to tell our listeners that it is time that you figure out what summer looks like so you can look forward to something i think there's been a lot of disappointment that we've dealt with the last couple of months with covid so it's time to uh, look forward to something. So figure out what you are going to do. Um, so, yeah, I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, but I think that I should introduce our guest, Diane. I think it's time for us to get into the show. So it's time I think to you, introduce our guest. I, I agree. And it is, um, it is not our lightest topic, but it is a very, very, very important topic. More, more today, always, but more today than ever. So I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited for you to let everybody know. So our guest is Anu Gupta. He's a lawyer, scientist, and the founder and CEO of Be More. Be More is building a movement of wise and compassionate people who are driving equity and belonging by addressing the root causes of racial and gender bias. Anu is a sought-after expert in breaking bias, adult learning, and psychosocial well-being. Anu has brought Be More's methodology to over 200 companies such as Amazon, Northwell, and IBM. He's also spoken on the TED stage as well as South by Southwest and other venues. At a time like this, I'm just going to say Anu is pretty busy. Mm -hmm. So I am very grateful that he had the time to come on today. Sit back and, and listen up, guys. We have some good stuff to say today. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy, and if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of BeWell Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. 
BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Hey, hey, and welcome back. I am Diana Gasparoni. This is Be Real. Anisha is here with me today. I am here. I am excited to be here. However, I am drained from all the events of the last two weeks, but um, our podcast on Fridays, that's when we do it, guys. It always makes me super happy. So I'm excited to be here. Well, I join you in the being drained from the past two weeks. And um, yeah, it's a... It has been a whirlwind, but fortunately today we have a beautiful being with us. Good morning. Anu Gupta from Be More America is here, and this is his wheelhouse, and he has some beautiful things to say um, about the state of the world and where we're headed, so I'm excited to talk to him. So welcome this morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. So let's um, get started by you just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are. So my name is Anu, and I, by way of background, you know, I, I'm a lawyer, I'm a scientist, I'm an educator, but I'm also a, an immigrant. I moved to the country when I was 10 years old. I'm a man of color, I'm queer. Both of those things really shape the way I view the world. Um, all the professional accomplishments and, of course, personal experiences. And I've been really interested in this idea of bias and its impacts on the lived experiences that we have as human beings. And a lot of that has to do with my own personal background and what I experienced, but also the level of cruelty that we see in our society, um, the level of injustice and inequality we see, uh, particularly with people of color, more specifically with black people and people of indigenous descent. And I wanted to do something about it. So six years ago, I left my legal practice based on some of my research that I'd done to really create a company where we can build a movement that's rooted in compassion and wisdom to truly bring equity and belonging for everyone everywhere. So that's what BMO is about. you know, I've been doing this work for six years, mostly through trainings and education. We've trained about 16,000 professionals on um, achieving companies. And now we're basically we're shifting gears, given the incredible move, the moment that we're in right now. I know. I was thinking, so in the wake of the protesting that's happening across the country, has that changed the, maybe like your business model or the, the people or the organizations that you will be working with, you think? Yeah, well, firstly, like, I want to acknowledge every single person that's out there protesting. It is so important uh, for us to continue to go out there and make our voices heard. Of course, doing it peacefully, um, but, you know, showing the world, not just our leaders here, 
like what's happening in our country, systemic racism, police brutality, police violence is not okay. And we really need to rebuild our country so every person um, can truly, truly not just live, but thrive. And this is really the case for a lot of marginalized people. So with that said, I think to your question, Denisha, you know, over the last year, I've already been, so our business model, the way I thought about things were, if you, if anybody's ever done a structural racism or undoing racism workshop, the idea really is that once you learn all this stuff, you have to become a liberated gatekeeper to begin to shift systems. And for me, that's really hard because a three-day training doesn't really liberate you. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I think their point around who has power, for me, it's like people that make decisions that impact lives of people. So we started targeting organizations, healthcare systems, professionals like doctors, nurses, teachers, social workers, you name it, and helping them shift their perceptions and behavior for this mass movement. In the last year, I realized that the state of racial inequity has not been improving. And of course, it's come to the, a tipping point now. And I was like, we need to really galvanize a broader movement. So moving forward, what we're going to be doing is actually bringing all of our courses, our knowledge, which is all science-backed and compassion-based, directly to people. So anybody is welcome to learn um, and be part of with us. And then also creating a convening space for them to collaborate with each other to begin to address these systemic I'm so excited to hear. I mean, I'm like, I'm frozen, right? So I've been a little frozen all week. It's been... um Right. Uh, in the in the work and taking in all of all all that we we hear all day, and then um, being in the world and uh, watching how the reaction. I mean, I this has been like the I, quick reaction can make me very anxious. Isn't that I want to make like I want to I I like to see things like grow in a positive flow. I love that when there is a reaction. That is positive, but I want to know that it's moving forward. So in what you're saying that this is something like it's so important that there'll be a resource that people can go back to once they've started now that they're awake, right? Like the world has opened up in a way in the past three months and most specifically in the past two weeks that the cracks in the system are so big and the light that is shining on them is so strong and how to look at it and what to do. If you weren't, if this wasn't in your vocabulary or this wasn't in your everyday life or this wasn't in like these conversations weren't happening. Now you're forced to have a conversation and that there is a resource that you can, you can collaborate and talk and make mistakes and grow and learn and understand yourself better is just, uh, it's amazing. I'm so, I'm so excited to know that it's there, right? And that it's going to be there and that, um, we're going to continue a conversation in a deeper and more, pronounced way because there is so much and you said a few things that really um i loved li- the liberated gatekeeper i liked that language right like when you are you get like yes i've taken i've taken those classes right like you go in and you take like a one day course on unconscious bias i was just telling you should i were just talking about it and, like i've taken those and then you come back and like okay well mm-hmm. i did that okay i did that right but and I do, I, I do the work myself personally. And so I feel, but how much, how much am I going to 
put on other people or have other or other people are going to come to me as that person. And so what we want to do is remove shame from this conversation. Mm -hmm. Have to remove shame, blame, guilt, because these are afflictive emotions that prevent us from actually taking action. So I'm not saying it's not going to come up. These things are going to come up. Mm -hmm. All of us as human beings living in a society like today are wounded. Yep. Yes. We feel like there's an inherent way we're unworthy. There's something wrong with us. We don't know what's right. So that's okay. Yet we need to work together to begin to, you know, work through that shame so we can take action. The second thing that's really important here is that this is what we did for the last six years too. Majority of the trainings that I led were day long or a few days or even an hour. We condense ourselves to meet the needs of businesses, not meet the needs of the humans that wanted to learn this. Right. Right. Because like we only have so much time, you know, we, there's not enough, what they would say, curricular real estate, you know, <laughs> I took, yeah. nope, me, I like that. <laughs> so for me, as someone who's so passionate about this work, I was like, okay, I need, I need to plant seeds. So I'll start small. So whatever they will give me, I will go in there to begin to shift perception. The last year, as Adisha asked me earlier, I was like, but we're not seeing any change. I started this work to reduce racial disparities for curing racism, breaking bias. So, you know, the, so we'll still have those hour long courses, introductory courses for people, but the breaking racial bias work, it's going to be a four to six week course where just like any other course we take, we're literally learning over time. And we're rewiring our brain. So based on the science, right? So a lot of the tools that we use in breaking bias are rooted in meditation and mindfulness. So it takes four to six weeks of daily practice for us to change our habits. Just think about it for yourself, like going to the gym or, you know, brushing your teeth or any new habit you want to introduce. It doesn't just happen one day. It's like you have to keep at it over and over again. So this habit of busting stereotypes in our mind and removing our unconscious biases from our day-to-day -day decision making, it's going to require practice mm -hmm. and community. So you can't do this alone. And we have to get messy, but again, in a shame-free way, mm -hmm. where we actually invite people in and we learn from each other and we listen, we listen, we listen, we listen. And that's where true healing can truly happen, particularly healing of systemic trauma that a lot of black people and other communities of color and any other marginalized, marginalized identity has experienced. I think that as I listen to you, the beauty of this is that at, at, there was a time when you were kind of focused on companies, right? And I think that sometimes people wait for their organizations that they are part of to do something like this, right? But now you're saying like, okay, we're going to have this personal responsibility, right? Like, so I'm going to have this course. And so you as a person, whoever you are, can decide like, this is what I want for myself. And I'm going to put six weeks to the side, right? And I can keep going over the material and going over the material. Because when you're like, when you do things for like one day, you take it in, you forget, and then you kind of move on. So yeah. I love that. Um, it's more feels like more personal responsibility. And I think that um, for me, that's what I'm seeing more of yeah. when I turn on the TV and I see the protests and I see that there are black people, there are white people, there are Asian, there everyone is there. Right. So it feels like now is a time that we're going to take personal responsibility, because when we talk about race, it normally feels like it's a black person's thing. Right. Like, oh, that's your problem. Like, that's your issue. So we're going to talk about race. Like, let's have the black person come talk. And 
I think that now we're realizing that this is something, a humanity issue, right? Like, and so race needs to be talked about with everyone. And so when you started talking about trauma, um, as a black person and as a black therapist, um, I've been on calls all week on video all week and I'm seeing racial trauma. Right. And I'm no, and I know that racial trauma could lead to PTSD. Right. Like, so I'm seeing my clients have issues with self-confidence, self-esteem, self-birth, um, just depression, you know, anxiety. And, um, I think about the vicarious trauma that I take on every day. Right. And so last week, actually, I'll tell everybody, I had to take the day off. I was like, I need a mental health day. I called Diana and I was like, I can't do this today. I cannot be a container for people's thoughts and feelings because I have so many thoughts and feelings of my own. I just need a moment to process all that is happening, that will happen, that has happened. It's been a beautiful thing for me this week because I've been able to listen. I've been able to validate, empathize. I've been able to tell people, I see you, I value you, I support you. And I also have a therapist and she did the same thing for me. So this week has been rough on on, on many fronts, but it's also been very healing. So so I thank you for talking about the trauma of it all, because we have to talk about that. Thank you for your work. I think what you're doing is truly, truly revolutionary right now to just listening to people's stories and giving them a space to be that open and vulnerable um, because that emotional exposure is so difficult. And I think particularly for black people and potentially other marginalized identities as well, you know, and this is what Du Bois called this idea of double consciousness, mm-hmm. which to this day is known as cognitive dissonance, right? So there's always that fear of being wrong. The thing around racism is that you feel one thing and then you deny your feelings because no one acknowledges that. The pain of that can exactly, like you said, can develop into you know, a whole host of other mental health challenges. So I think for you to create that container that's non-judgmental, to just hear people's perceptions and feelings is just really, really important right now. No, thank you. Thank you for being here. Because I do believe today I thought about bias in a different way. I took a look at your TED Talk, which which I thought was amazing, right? And it made me think about bias and how I feel about my name, Ednisha. Right. Like and how I, I, I've had this running joke with my family, well, my mom and my dad. I was like, well, did you think about that? How that would impact me on a resume? And we know that there's been studies done about, you know, the exact same resume. You have a black name, you have a white name, exactly. the black person would get caught less. And so we have this kind of running joke around my name. And then and Diana and I have a running joke. When we were at the office, right back when, you know, outside was open and we were going into work every day. I knew um, uh, my hair's done, you know, my makeup is done. Um, I look professional. I have my heels on, everything. And I realize it's because I'm always thinking about how people view me. Exactly. Always. Mm-hmm. As a black woman, it's always in my mind that I don't want them to think about all the stereotypes that they have about black people. I don't want them to have it about me. So yeah. maybe if I dress up and I look really great, Someone will think something different of me. My clients will think I'm more competent. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so, and I thought more about the bias today and, and how it impacts me. It's so interesting that you talked about that. There's two things I want to kind of follow up with that is this idea of like exhaustion of like constantly doing impression management. 
this is known as, it's actually a scientific fact. Okay. And it's known as weathering. And this is what a lot of people with different identities actually experience. Like this daily, like micro traumas, which may be real or unreal, but it's based on a felt sense experience that creates accelerated aging. And this is a huge problem, particularly, I mean, this is, you know, part of what you had said earlier that, you know, when we think about race, you just think white and black. And that's because of slavery. Because, right. I mean, just like, say it. Come on. <laughs> the country, you know, that's right. They were killing, you know, basically the indigenous people were being slaughtered and removed from their spaces. And any attempt of other non-white people to come here were very difficult. I mean, until 1965, they couldn't come here because they were non-white, right? So the reason why the studies are all about this is because it is a black-white issue because of slavery. And part of the challenge around this now is for us to acknowledge that history because that still stays yeah. present in people's day-to-day lives. You know, there's a book that Dr. Joy DeGoy wrote like years ago called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Yes. It's a real thing. It's a yes. thing. And like, just as, you know, people have studied, you know, descendants of Holocaust survivors and, you know, just the level of, you know, depression or mental health or other challenges they confront because it's, whether it's epigenetics or just being living in a conditioned response of being Jewish, it's still in their body. Like I have friends my age, I'm in my mid thirties who have had nightmares growing up in teenage years, in their twenties and college that they're going to be thrown into ovens. Wow. I mean, they're far removed from the Holocaust. They live in America. They have class privilege. You know, sometimes yet these things are still happening. Right? We have yet to even begin to acknowledge that this could also be the human experience of descendants of enslaved people. Right. Right. We don't talk about the intergenerational trauma of enslaved people ever. And we, and we have to, because we see it all the time, every day. Yeah. And with me, I, I, I'm going to say God willing, because that's what came to my mind, but that in the, I was like, bring him in, bring her in, bring her in. And then like, let that be a conversation that that is, that that the reality of living in your body with the trauma passed down from generation to generation to generation that does not, that with what's happening now, may it, may we see it and may we, may it begin to heal in a way that is real and not the way that we put a bandaid on it in the past. Like, like imagine a day when Anisha, you wouldn't have to worry about what other people are thinking of you, regardless of what they were thinking of you. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. That internalized bias and fear is something you have the tools to manage. And there's a certain level of self-confidence, self-worth, and self-love that you receive from your conditioned environment. So, like, I want everybody, particularly Black people, to experience that. Yeah. And that's and what interesting because I listen to you, Anu, it's so hard to imagine. Right? Like, it's just, for me, just to listen is, is right. so hard to imagine the change that I want to see in this country, right? Because I, I feel unwanted. I feel like I don't belong. And I saw one of your hashtags that said belong everywhere. And I can't wait to feel like I belong everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I, it feels like a college kid coming back from college and, you know, their, their parents telling you, like, you don't belong here anymore. Well, this is my home. I don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. America is my home. I have yeah. nowhere else to go. I want to belong here. You do belong here. You do belong. 
They don't know what it's like to be afraid 
or what it's like to be uncomfortable. So to be able to move into spaces where they are uncomfortable talking about race is very important to me. I want, I want more of that. I want it, but I want, I don't want to forcing my agenda onto people never works. Right. So that this is a good segue, actually a new into your call to action, right? And, and you broke it up into three parts. Like, and if we can go over those perspectives. So the first one was to educate yourself. The second was build compassion. And the third was speak out. So if you yeah. kind of want to speak to that, because I, I think that that's a, this is a good segue for that right now. Yeah, I think the first is really educate yourself. And Diane, you talked about some of the books people are uh, purchasing to understand systemic racism. It's a word that I can actually say out loud now. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I feel liberated after a decade of doing this work because I can say the word systemic racism, racism, white supremacy. Here I said it without shame. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I didn't want to alienate anybody. But the fact is, they are not the reality; they are a reality. That's right. the one I want to make. The reality of healing, compassion, our beloved community is also a reality that coexists with these things. You know. So in terms of educating yourself, when we think about systemic racism, I want people to understand that what systemic racism basically is, is four root causes. And these four root causes are bias, so conscious and unconscious bias that people have. The second is trauma. Now, trauma is anything that's life-threatening or emotionally overwhelming, something that our bodies aren't wired to respond to. Now, it happens in an interpersonal setting. So we talked about intergenerational trauma. We talked about police violence in communities of color. But more than that, it's traumatic environmental factors, things that we can't even think about. Presence of toxic waste sites, incinerators, payday lenders, you know, whole host of toxins that kind of slowly chip away on the livelihoods of, you know, black and brown people in our country. Very much part of policy that I mean. Third, um, lack of resources. So while we have presence of these traumatic environmental factors in places where black and brown people live, we have lack of basic necessities, supermarkets. You know, that's why we say they're food desert. Things like safe green parks, playgrounds, access to public transportation. Have you ever wondered why if you go to DC, like to get literally like across a mile, you have to go around? <laughs> black people live there. And that's not just wow. in DC, it's across the country. Like, why is it that it takes me forever to get to East New York, but I can get to like financial district from anywhere in the city within 30 minutes, right? So like, these are very much these bigger issues. And the fourth cause is policies. So policies is what creates all these things. So bias, trauma, lack of resources and policies. And for me, getting educated about this is important, seeing the big picture. And then also, the only thing we as humans have power over as individuals is first breaking bias. Because then we can build collective power to address those three other root causes. So the second one is build compassion. This is actually really important to me. Um, that's why everything we do is compassion-based. So I, my background is very much working on international human rights, international economic development. I lived abroad after college. I wanted to work in Myanmar and Southeast Asia. Until I went to law school in the U.S. and I actually was in New Orleans and was in a courtroom where I literally saw one black child, ages between 13 and 15, um, being sent to prison for two, three, four years at a time 
for petty offenses like trespass to property, breaking cell phones, you know, and the moral disgust I felt in my belly at that time is what really began fueling the fire of why am I doing international human rights work where there's so much work to be done here? And I couldn't understand the level of cruelty, you know, in the hearts and minds of the judges, the prosecutors, security guards, many of whom, well, not many, some of whom, very few of whom were also black, right? But the vast majority were white or non-black. But with that said, that cruelty is the piece here, right? And we think about police brutality and violence that's happening in our society and has been happening. Where's the compassion? And that's why building compassion is important. And the way we as individuals can do that is really listening. I don't care how uncomfortable it makes us. Just listen. This is a fellow human being, you guys. We have the same nervous system as you do. Listen, 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 listen. And the third is speak out. I mean, I am so inspired. Every time I look at images of what's happening on our streets, I'm like crying because I couldn't imagine this day. Yet the fact that people of all backgrounds are going out and are just fed up. We are fed up of persistent ways. You know, our siblings are being dehumanized and brutalized by the system that we pay for. Like, why? <laughs> why? why? <laughs> right. Yeah, so you can come and beat me up. Not going to happen. Not on, not, our watch, not on our watch anymore. So that's it. Educate yourself. Build Compassion Scout. Don't stop. <laughs> I do have to say that watching the news, for me, it's, it's, it's rough, right? So like... Do I feel amazing to see all the people in the street on a daily basis saying, you know what, we're not going to take this. And I, I know, though, that every couple of years or maybe every year, you know, there is a different name and there's a different hashtag of another black person that's been killed. And there are protests. But I will have to say that there is something about what's going on right now that feels so different to me. Mm -hmm. It feels like there will be change. And when I think about change, I also think about policy change because that's where the real kind of change happens. So I do believe that I'm seeing Black Lives Matter movement, not just Black Lives, right? And that's the beauty of it. It's all of the other people that are there too. So I, I definitely feel very good about what I see on TV. But I also am disheartened by the continual like playing over and over of these videos, right? Like right. black body brutalized, right? Continuing to see it, which again leads to this trauma that we talked about. So that is very difficult for me. And I, I've been telling my clients, like, you know, you guys really have to think about, is it worth it to, to continue to view these videos and just really paying attention more to what you're looking at every day? I agree. I think this is where the self-care conversation really yeah. is. Mm -hmm. I think people, and particularly if you're black, like for, for some people it's very energizing, for others it isn't, it's traumatizing. Just be, you know, basically like these are intoxicants, just as we put intoxicants in our body, like, mm -hmm. you know, drugs or alcohol. Sometimes our news can be an intoxicant that clouds the mind and clouds our emotions. So really like be you know, careful around how you do that right now. And where you feel it, I think that... I've been calling the news feeds and the social media. It's just, it's trauma porn. It's like people are in there and they're getting, it's like, 
It's just trauma born and where you feel it in your body when you see it. And is it, is it, is it energizing in a way that's manic or is it energizing in a way that's progressive? Is it heavy in a way that's thoughtful or is it a heavy in a way that's depressing? And then there's so much of it. And so to remove yourself from it and find, find space to process what you're seeing, it's just, it's so much there was and you said something and i want to and i and i want to go back to it and i can't remember oh uh anisha that right now it is because it is different because we had a setup for this for these protests that in a backdrop that was so different i mean we you said it weeks ago when we talked about the how covid and the pandemic was disproportionately affecting brown and black bodies and people and what was happening we set it up it was set up for this protest i mean with the cracks and the lights that are being shined like it there was no way this wasn't going to happen and now it has to it has and yeah yeah. and i think that what the impact of COVID on communities of color is basically exposing the nature of systemic racism, those four mm-hmm. roots across our systems. And, you know, maybe this could have been prevented if the Minnesota mayor, the Minneapolis mayor and the Minnesota government would have just arrested and charged those people. But they couldn't because they're part of a systemically racist system. So the people had to demand it because to them, black lives don't matter and they haven't mattered. So unless the people come out and be like, not on our watch any longer, you know, thereby we're making the changes that we want to see in the world. Um, so, you know, part of it is like, this is, a, this is how we change politics. And, you know, for me, as someone who's a student of the civil rights movement, of the decolonization movement, I've seen so much footage and I've seen, been with so many freedom fighters. And so maybe like I have a different, like a, a stronger heart to take these images because as much as I feel the pain of people that are being brutalized, I'm also inspired by their courage. I'm inspired by um, their passion. And that fuels me to do my work because I know I'm not in this alone because there are people, my brothers and sisters and other siblings are out there who are demanding for our shared vision together. I think the beauty is, is that I tell my clients, you may not want to go out on the front line and protest, but there are so many other ways that you can give. And I think that that's the huge part of this, too, is talking to people about how do you speak out? There's so many different ways to speak out. And that's important that we get that information out to people. I agree. Like just talking to your parents about systemic racism. This is the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Friends, your family members, they don't have to agree. Don't try to change nobody. No. Be like, just educate, educate, educate. educate. (laughs) Yes. Um, and I loved, I know before we got started today, you, uh, you called the, you identified the people who have died in the past, uh, month, just in this time, but it's angels. And that in just that language of turning, of looking at the sacrifice, that has been made on behalf of what is happening right now and that they are angels guiding what is going on in the world was such, it lifted a weight off of me in a way to like, I done it to hear it and, and see it in just a much more powerful light. 
it just, it's a, it, it was a beauty. It was, it, it's going to sit with me all day and forever. It won't just sit with me all day, but I'll take, I'm sure I'll take it with me for more than today that. Is, but that is, but today is important. Today is important because today is, would have been Brianna Taylor's 27th birthday. Right. Yes. So we honor her today. And she is an angel, right? So she, yeah. she didn't want to go, but she was taken from us. Mm-hmm. But people like her, her, George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Eric, there's so many people that we can list off. Mm-hmm. But all people, their lives haven't gone in vain. They are the ones that were, ne- they have enabled their loss of life to wake us up and really stand up to injustice. So I know that you talk about racial bias as a mental health issue. Can you speak a little bit more about that since you are with two therapists? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I think maybe you can educate me a little bit more about this too, but um, so I'm excited to learn from you. Uh, but the way I think about racial bias, so bias, the way I call it is bias is a learned habit of thought. Mm-hmm. So it's like a learned habit that distorts how we see people. Right. So instead of me being with Anisha and Diane, I'm with ideas of them. They're not really them. It's like, oh, because she's black, she must love this. Or because she's white, she must be like this. Uh uh-uh. So not reality. We're not with the person. Um, and racial bias in particular is interesting because, and you know, a lot of people that study consciousness talk about this, like Eckhart Tolle and, you know, Gary Zukav. And it's this idea of just feeling a sense of superiority or inferiority. And that's what the bias is. This is what I think, to your point, Diane, when you were inviting um, your black, your white listeners to really get messy, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is, they don't even know that they're affected by this. Mm. So deeply affected by it. This is a mental health crisis in white communities. Yes. Why do yes, ha- it is. Why do we have an opioid addiction? Why do we have the militarized you know, industrial complexes that are run by mostly white people. Mm-hmm. Well, what is this greed, this nature of more and more and more of this capitalist society that we've created? What are we yeah. running away from? Trying to prove that we're better than. You know, this reminds me mm-hmm. of Morrison quote, where she's like, once you realize that you're just like us, how do you not feel better? And this is where the nervous system really needs to common battles. That's why I see it as a mental health issue because we don't, you know, for for a lot of white folks, it's an unconscious feeling of superiority, which is or conscious. conscious. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely not always unconscious for sure. I believe that this is to you all of the unconscious, right? Because it can also you know, in a way that people don't mean it, but it's just that it's very, very slight. The feeling like entitlement worthiness well i i it's not because i'm white but i just am right so it may not even be that it's because i'm white but it's i just i deserve better i'm american i am this you know i went to college you know my sat score was higher so i should get into harvard why didn't that person get in well how did they get in with 10 points lower than me right that sense mm-hmm. the sense of entitlement for sure the white privilege that is not like looked at or identified or like taken for granted every single day and where you can go, what you can do, how you feel safe in the world, that you're not challenged and that you don't identify or understand or even want to understand that that a black and brown person might not be, might not be comfortable. 
And he'd be like, take us out of it. Take the black yeah. and brown people out of it. Because they, let's say they got everything they ever want. It's still not going to be enough. No. It's true. It's never going to be enough because they ain't okay with themselves. Well, it would be nice if that message got out there the same way, right? Right. That it's on the backs of this message, right? Like that we as white people have more than enough. (laughs) We have, we have way more than enough. What, what is it that we want? What is enough? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for black and brown people, like particularly for black people right now, it's like, I just want to live. I want to be able to sleep in my house without you intruding and killing me. You know, I just want to go watch some birds because I like birds and I'm a nerd. Like, Right. Like, it's simple things. <laughs> I think that that's the interesting thing. It's just kind of those basic needs that are not met. And you just kind of go on through life, like what your basic needs not being met. And of course, that is going to cause some mental health issues. Um, when I think about, um, I've been telling my clients, lean into the feelings, right? Like actually process them because I feel like as a black person, it goes back to slavery. We were asked to do and not feel it's created like this culture of silence. Now, when I ask, like when we want to talk about feelings, it's hard, right? Like I just got to push through. That's kind of the thing, right? Like every day I just got to, I got to do what I got to do. What about feeling my real feelings and what's going on? And, and so I'm hoping that. And, and, and I hate to say it, but mental health is kind of trending right now, which I'm really happy about, especially in black and brown communities, that people are open to leaning in to their feelings and feeling their feelings and knowing that they don't just have to do, but they also can feel. So that's can really important for me. This is so interesting, right? Because I don't think I've been in a this open conversation with a therapist, a black therapist. What happens when you ask your black clients or clients of color to feel into I think that there is a fear that there's going to be a domino effect because like I don't have the luxury to be depressed or too anxious because I have to go to work every day. I got to pay bills. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. So I don't have the luxury to have a breakdown. So I'm, I'm doing everything all the time to keep it together. And if I walk in this room with you, Anisha, and I have this breakdown, now what? Now what? What about the rest of my life? Like I can't afford to have the breakdown. So sometimes I'm literally in session and I'm like, did I go too far? And they're like, yeah, yeah, slow it up a little bit, Anisha. Let's bring it back. I'm not ready for that yet, right? And so we got to, with some people, you just have to take it slow because, yeah, they can't afford a mental breakdown. They can't afford to let it all out. So the fear is that if they were to begin to feel their feelings, it would be floodgates of feelings that they'll just be, it would be like a, a deluge that they'll just be swimming in it and drowning in it. Yeah. Just be, so that's an interesting thing. I don't have 400 years of feeling. And there's a, there is an article, uh, Winnicott wrote about fear of the breakdown and that if you, the fear of being so flooded and imagine 400 years of flooding in one session that you have to like try to pull yourself back together. It's, you have to go slow. Yeah. It's a slow process. That's powerful. Because, like, one of the things that, you know, in PRISM, the first tool that we teach people is mindfulness, right? Which is basic present moment awareness. So the way mindfulness works is that you're aware of your body, you're aware of your emotions, you're aware of your thoughts, and then you're aware of your whole experience as a whole. So I think for me, like, it's interesting to hear that, Misha, because I went through that process myself. Like, of course, I'm not a black person. I don't have that 
that ancestral history in this body. Um, yet, you know, I was severely depressed. I attempted suicide, you know, about 11 years ago. And a lot of that was because of a lot of internalized biases that I had and that I believed about myself, like my being less than. And for me, um, the process of healing after that, what's after that is really about befriending my feelings and knowing that they're just feelings and that they come and they go. Of course, that took some time. Um, so I mean, just speaking for me, like, I don't know what that would look like for different, it would, it would be different for different people, right? Yeah, our, of course. Our thresholds are different. But I think it's the one thing that I've found that I found helpful is actually two things that I found helpful is when like feelings come up, like really, really feelings, like hard feelings that I can't take. Um, I try not to label them. I try to get away from the thoughts and like literally be with the body sensation of it. Wow. Mm. Just like be with the body sensation of it. So don't try to explain it. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to, whatever the stories are, notice them, but like don't hold on to them. And that's been helpful because I realized that after a few minutes, maybe sometimes longer, they pass. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that I've been doing might be helpful to your listeners is I, this is actually a recent practice. I begin to imagine my happy place. And it doesn't have to be like, a, like for some people, it's like being on the beach or like being in their grandma's yard or something. But it's like something as simple as like, oh my God, like, you know, last, you know, a, Four months ago. Four months ago. Yeah, four months ago. Papalu. Yes. And we were literally sitting and having heart to heart with each other. And oh my gosh, I felt so joyous in that moment. Just that one memory. Wow. Like I got to be with so many special people. And that happens to all of us. We have at least one memory every day, whether it's like the food that we've eaten or smell of fresh air or something, right? So really beginning to rewire the brain, finding it towards what in the Christian tradition they call our blessings. <laughs> blessings are good. We can we can we can borrow that one. Okay. I like it. I like it. I think every day I look for I find joy. I'm like, where do I find my joy today? Yeah. Like what am I grateful for? Yeah. So I think that that is the way that I've been able to continue to like that's my self care. Right, like, where do I find my joy every day? And mm. sometimes it's just walking in the park, and yeah. that makes me be happy, you know, or calling a friend. But I think wow. that's really what this is about. That the world is going to keep going, so we have to keep finding our joy, and we kind of can't get stuck in it. Yeah, I, I want to know about this train the trainer. I see right here. Right. We hear monkey. Yes, I monkey. Yes. <laughs> um. So this is what I'm doing, right? So we're actually like changing us, changing our model altogether. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll be doing cohorts of breaking racial bias starting the summer, probably July. Um, so we'll basically take people through four week courses. They'll have a cohort. And the idea is after they go through this program, we, we're not saying goodbye to them. They're actually part of our community. So now they're applying everything they've learned to themselves, with each other, building connections, building that intimacy, getting messy making mistakes but again we're creating a container where they can do that we don't have to be afraid anymore we can bring the inferiority and superiority to that neutralness right and then the one thing i want to do is and i i've been talking about this for years is i have never wanted to do this work it just came to me it kind of just happened 
Um, so I feel very blessed for that. But God forbid if something ever happened to me, how is this going to continue? This fall, um, I will do a first train the trainer. I'll train people on everything I've learned, you know, the prison tools, the science behind bias, where does racial bias comes from, come from, what are its impacts, how to break it, how to facilitate, and also how to build a business. Uh, so, yeah, because... <laughs> All I, important, very important things, yes. Yeah, I want this to be a... I want to upscale people, particularly people that don't have economic opportunities right now, to take this work, to build a livelihood, but then also to create the changes we wish, which is to build a more equitable world where everyone belongs, everywhere, you know? I will be a part of that program, just so yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will be a part of your breaking bias online. Like, that's it. Your course, I'm signing up. No questions asked. That's it. <laughs> I saw that flip happening with no problem. Yes. It was very yes. instant. I I have a feeling I'm going to be in that train the trainer course myself. So I'm like, okay. Okay. So the first one is going to be just 10 people. So I'll reserve two spots for you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. This has been such a perfectly timed intervention into our week to use therapy language and perfectly just perfectly timed. I'm so glad that you were available this morning to hang out or this afternoon or wherever we are in our day to hang out with us. Um, the work is so important. I mean, it's so important what you're doing and it's, I can't, I just, the change is here. The change is happening. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's keep moving it in the right direction. Let's keep moving that needle in the right direction. Now, um, at the end of every podcast, Anu, we ask a couple questions. Okay. Um, we've had a pretty heavy week, so Anisha's gonna break it up for us. So Anisha's gonna ask you. She's gonna she's gonna sign us out with a few questions for you. Where we get to know a different part of you. Okay. Okay. Something fun. Diana doesn't like this question, but I like it. Oh, have he's... you ever done ash before? Have ever done what? Wait for it. Ash. Done ash. Dine. Eat ash. and run. Did you ever eat in a restaurant and then bolt? I have. Yeah! No. I could I have to explain myself. Okay. okay. Oh my goodness! I can't. I, this, <laughs> I, I, like, I'll get the. I'll get past it. But I really, I thought you were going to be okay. one of this us. Is, but no, nope, no. Nope. This is an excuse. This one is very excused. I almost feel like I have it. Right. So <laughs> I almost feel like I have it. But yeah, I was on a date. I was on a date with a girl um, at Cambridge, <laughs> and. Um, we had a great time, went to a sushi restaurant, and, you know, we were talking, we were chatting, getting to know each other, great. And then we asked for the bill. They called it the bill. So, no bill. 20 minutes go by. Where's the bill? No bill. Another 20 minutes go by. I was like, well, you guys should to do. And also, like, the first date, and this is getting a little bit long, right? So, like, <laughs> 45 minute mark. We still haven't received her bill. Like, I think we just gotta go. So we just ran. Okay. He so, had no other choice, Diana. He had no other choice. I got one. I can come up with like 15. <laughs> However, that, didn't have a, a good server because she forgot. She or he forgot. Listen, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's all right. 
It's all right. I'm sure she wasn't on the floor waiting on somebody else. You couldn't go find her. It's all right. So bad. No, it's okay. You probably tried to hide that memory, block it out, block out that moment. You should just brought it back up for you. <laughs> I apologize to the entire uh, industry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, so we went with Dinah Dash. One more question. Um, how have you been kind today? How have I been kind today? It's a good question. Mm. Well, so this is a little personal, but um, basically my sister, my younger sister, has had like a health emergency. Thankfully, she's okay now. So the last two weeks have been, on top of everything else that's happening, has been a little stressful on the back end. So I think this morning, the first thing I did was send her a text and ask, how is my darling doing? Oh, that's kind, right. That's that's the support that she probably needed to help her get started with her day. So, wow. What a beautiful heart. She's special. You all are special. I'm so grateful. And thank you for using this platform to really elevate this conversation. Thank you so much for being, you, you've helped me to think about things in a different way today and, and going forward. So, so I thank you for that. I ditto what she said. So thank you so much. Save, save two spots for us. Don't yes. forget. Two spots. Okay. Okay. We are, we are going to stop here and um, y'all, we are still in a pandemic. So please stay safe and keep washing your hands. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's still Wait, going on. I knew you were <laughs> Keep wearing your mask, please. Don't yeah, stop. man. Like, that is still happening. Let's not forget there is a pandemic happening. We're still inside. All right. Peace. Thank we'll you. see you next week. All right. See guys. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real Podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.